This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. Let's go to the bullpen with Adam the Bull on the Bet Rivers Network. We're talking with the great Terry Francona. I know everybody poo-poos baseball fights. They're like, hey, you go out there and everybody's just talking yeah. and shoving. But when you get out there, man, those guys are big. They they get after yeah. it. And when they get after it, man, look out. It makes you a little nervous. Robin Ventura still won't talk about Nolan Ryan to, to this day. <laughs> he wants nothing with that conversation. Listen to the bullpen with Adam the Bull on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Welcome back to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. Glad you're with me for what's going to be a truncated version of of the show today. I'm a little under the weather. Yeah, I'm all stuffy. And you don't want to hear a guy who can't breathe talking at you about football, do you? So I'll try to make this a little bit more brief than I typically do. Week 16 gets off to an interesting start tonight. And it's one of those games where you you looked at it early in the year. If you did look at Thursday night in week 16, you think, oh, what a groan the Jacksonville Jaguars and the New York Jets. Who would have thought we'd be here today where both teams are vying for a playoff position? The Jaguars at six and eight are nipping at the heels of the Tennessee Titans in the juggernaut that is the AFC South, while the Jets are on the outside looking in right now in the AFC. The Jets at seven and seven have been cold of late, Should be a good one. The Jets are slightly favored in this one. It's a low total. Actually, there are six totals this weekend, 38 and a half or less for the total. I saw 37 a few hours ago for Jaguars and Jets. Trevor Lawrence got it done last week for Jacksonville. I'm going to lay off. It's it's one of those games where you, you'd be so tempted to play because you could, you could talk yourself into rooting for Jackson, but you can talk yourself in to rooting for the Jets if you wanted to. I'm going to keep my money in my pocket and save it for Saturday because there are several games Saturday that look good to me, including the Bills laying eight, some places eight and a half against the Bears at Soldier Field. Look, this Bears defense is ranked 30th in the league in points allowed. They're giving up 25.6 points per game. And Buffalo, while it has been a little bit sluggish of late, they've won five in a row. They've they've done just fine since they lost two straight earlier in the season after a terrific start. They've been kind of coasting their way through the AFC East. The Bills, not a very good point spread team this year, six, seven, and one ATS, but the Bears are even worse. The Bears are five, eight, and one against the spread this year. The Bills haven't been very good as huge favorites. They've been favored by nine or more six times and have covered just two of those. But without Jack Sanborn, man, I think the uh, I think the Bills are going to have a nice day 
on Saturday. I'm taking the Bills over the Bears as the Bears hang on to that number two draft position. The way it shakes out right now, Houston has pretty much locked up the number one pick in the draft unless they were to do something really silly here down the stretch. And they have been playing better. So I don't think it's inconceivable that they go to Tennessee and beat the Titans this weekend. But the, the Texans at one twelve and one have the number one pick. The Bears right behind at three and eleven. Seattle gets the third pick via Denver, the Russell Wilson trade, the Broncos four and ten. Rams also four and ten. The the deal that put Jared Goff in Detroit, Matt Stafford in Los Angeles, a part of this one. The Lions get that fourth pick. And the Arizona Cardinals right now at number five, also four and ten, followed by Indianapolis, Atlanta, Carolina, Philly from New Orleans, and Las Vegas rounding out the top ten. Of the games going on this weekend, and you're going to tell me I'm crazy for this, but I'm looking forward to as much as anything seeing the Washington Commanders with playoff aspirations on the line going on the road to take on San Francisco. The 49ers are seven-point favorites. The Niners have not been a good team these last few years when laying more than three, more than four points. That's tempting not to take San Francisco, but Washington seems to find a way to answer the bell. I was expecting them to put more points on the board than they did this past week, week 15, 20 to 12 losers against the New York Giants. And this is a San Francisco team that is as good as any in the NFL. The 49ers are rolling, but if the commanders jump on them early and can get draw first blood, I, I think that's a game they can they can muscle they can muscle out a cover and maybe even a win in that one. Also Saturday, the Eagles and Cowboys. The Eagles have won five in a row now, but as you know, they don't have Jalen Hurts in this one. They don't have Jalen probably for the next couple of weeks. I still think they will find a way to keep this thing close. And I'm taking Philadelphia getting five against the Cowboys. Give me Gardner Minshew in that one. The Giants at the Vikings Saturday also is a good game. The Vikings, of of course, come from behind winners this past weekend against the Indianapolis Colts, but they were sleepwalking through the first three quarters, first half of that football game. There were some terrible miscues on the special teams. And they put themselves behind the eight ball. The Vikings are the least convincing divisional champion uh, outside of the South in either the AFC or the NFC. Nobody expects Minnesota to go very deep into these playoffs. And then on Sunday for Christmas Day at noon, only one game Sunday at noon. It's the Dolphins slightly favored over the Packers. The Broncos and Rams play at 3.30, and who had Denver going into SoFi Stadium as a slight favorite over the Super Bowl champs? The Rams at 4-10 and 10 right now. They're a minus 90 in points differential. That's the worst in the NFC, and the only two teams in pro football that have a worse points differential, Texans and Colts. So not good there. Tom Brady's nightmarish season Will it continue? Buccaneers, big favorites. That's because they're on the road playing the Cardinals. Boy, you want to just burn your money either way on that one. And then on Monday night, the Chargers, a four-and-a-half-point favorite at Indianapolis, 
That will wrap up week 16. This week, as we continue to shake things out for playoff position, and it was expected to be a glorious occasion this weekend, and it still might be, but with heavy hearts, the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, resurrecting their old rivalry with uh, the old Oakland Raiders. The Las Vegas Raiders are in Pittsburgh for the game Saturday night. Steelers are a slight favorite in that one. Everybody in Pittsburgh is mourning the loss of Franco Harris, who died this week at the age of 72. Franco Harris, a Hall of Famer, a 13-year NFL career, most notable, of course, for immaculate reception 50 years ago tomorrow was that play that pushed the Steelers past the Raiders in a playoff game, the flukish bounce Frenchie Fuqua was the intended receiver, and Jack Tatum, they call me assassin, was the name of his autobiography. He jarred the ball backwards, and Harris caught it off of a tall blade of grass, as they used to say, off of the shoelaces. And it wasn't certain whether Fuqua had touched the ball first, because in that era, the two, two offensive players cannot touch a forward pass. That would have been an illegal forward pass had Fuqua made contact with the ball, but the officials ruled that he didn't take, he didn't touch the football. So the Steelers won. And that was in Harris's rookie year of 1972. That was the first playoff victory in the history of the Steelers. And Harris was the hero when they won their first Super Bowl a few years later. Super Bowl nine in in New Orleans at Tulane Stadium, a game that originally was going to be played at the Louisiana Superdome, but the Superdome wasn't completed with construction yet. So they moved the site to Tulane Stadium and Harris ran for 158 yards. That broke Larry Zonka's Super Bowl record of 145 rushing yards. He is second in all time attempts in Super Bowl play, in yards rushing, and in rushing touchdowns with four. He was scheduled, Franco was, to have his jersey number 32 retired Saturday night. That is so sad that he would would unexpectedly, unexpectedly pass away earlier this week. He was he was on the radio with Chris Russo, the Mad Dog, on Sirius XM, not not long before he collapsed. And there's very little that has come out as of now. There was no knowledge of Harris being sick. From all accounts, the Fort Dix, New Jersey native was a really charitable guy, a good guy, a great teammate. Tributes have been coming in for the last uh, day and a half from all over the country from former teammates of Franco Harris's. Franco Harris and the Pittsburgh Steelers, to me, were heroes at a time when I was an impressionable teenager, uh, a young guy growing up in Northwest Indiana who had just played his first year of organized football in the fall of 74 when the Steelers were en route to winning their first Super Bowl. They won four over a six-year stretch in the 70s, and Harris was was one of the stars of the team. He was a running back out of Penn State who was very good at avoiding contact. He didn't get hit as often as a lot of running backs get. He ran to the chalk. He was criticized for that. But nonetheless, 
He managed to muscle out 12,120 rushing yards in his career. At the time he retired, Franco Harris was third all-time. He also caught 307 passes for 2,287 yards for a total of 14,622 yards from scrimmage. At the time of his retirement, he was ranked third. Eight times Franco Harris rushed for more than 1,000 yards. Nine times he was selected to the Pro Bowl, an obvious choice for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Harris was criticized by many a decade or so ago after his his public allegiance to Joe Paterno on the heel of the Penn State child molestation scandal. I I don't remember all of the details. I have refreshed myself on it over the last 24 hours, and it all comes flooding back. Everybody wanted Franco's head on a platter for his comments supportive of his former head football coach. Uh, Blind faith, yeah, I suppose that's the case. I, I don't know if Franco ever did a 180 on how he felt about Paterno on a personal level. I only can judge a man based on how he treats me and how he treats others, at least how I see him. Now, yes, when somebody says something that's really hurtful or hateful, then it's easier to to form a conclusion without actually observing somebody or getting to know them. But in the couple of interviews I did with Franco Harris, and they were always in person, he was always very, very agreeable. Franco was easy to talk to. He was laid back. Franco was the, uh, the son of an African-American who served in World War II, his father, Cad, was stationed in Italy, and that's where where Cad Harris met Franco's mother, Gina. They came to America together and and settled on the East Coast, and Franco wound up going to Penn State, where he followed in the tracks of Lydell Mitchell. In fact, later, they would form a business partnership, and Lydell Mitchell was a guy who gave all of us slow running backs hope because there was a legend that existed about Mitchell, and I had no idea how close it was to the truth. But we had heard Lydell Mitchell of the Baltimore Colts didn't run very fast, that he couldn't even bust five flat in the 40 yards. Now, I don't know if that was urban legend or, in this case, Highland, Indiana legend, but he he gave all of us who weren't the fastest guys in the world hope that we too could carry the football and accomplish something with it. Harris wore 34 at Penn State. His number 32 with the Steelers. Man, he was a part of a team that was just littered with superstars. There were superstars at every position and positions that you don't typically associate with stars. Mean Joe Green, one of only two previous Steelers to have his jersey number retired. Green wore 75. Ernie Stautner, the tackle, wore number 70. Green was featured in the Coca-Cola ad where he gives his jersey to a kid in exchange for the bottle of Coke. And this is a defensive tackle. They also had stars on the defensive side in Jack Lambert, middle linebacker out of Kent State, Mel Blunt, a Hall of Fame safety, L.C. Greenwood up on the uh, the front wall, the uh, the steel curtain, 
or as I once mistakenly said on the air, the Iron Curtain, Iron City Beer, Steel Curtain, Dwight White, Ernie Holmes, Jack Ham, and then you look at the offense, the Steelers were primarily a running team with Harris and with Rocky Blyer, but when Terry Bradshaw threw the ball, he had multiple threats. He had two Hall of Famers at wide receiver in Lynn Swan and John Stallworth. Now, one could make the argument, neither really were Hall of Fame caliber. They were the beneficiaries of being on a great football team, perhaps the greatest dynasty in NFL history, winning four out of six. I won't argue that. Swan's acrobatic catches in the biggest games probably pushed him over the top. Stallworth's numbers actually just a smidge better. Probably, probably not Hall of Fame timber either. But nonetheless, the Steelers were littered with stars. And when you were a kid playing organized football and your team locally is awful as the Bears were in the early 70s, I mean, Jesus, my first Bears memory is that one in 13 team of 1969, Jim Dooley's Bears. All of the buddies in the neighborhood are running around in Butkus and Sears jerseys. And this is a team that's one in 13. And how you they couldn't make more out of that draft class of 1965, Butkus and Sears, I, I don't know. But the Bears were bad. And the Steelers were successful most largely because of their defense. And I loved playing defense, even though I wasn't real good at it. I loved playing it. And uh, the Steelers had so many guys who you could admire, so many guys you could put uh, pictures from Sports Illustrated up on your wall, the Jack Lambert SI cover where he's got that toothless glare. He's just all quarterbacks should wear dresses, I think was the headline. They were an easy team to like, an easy bandwagon team from Steel City during recessionary years of the mid to late 1970s when people needed uh, in that area something to pick them up because of the recessed economy and the steel mills having, having so many layoffs. The Steelers were there for that community. They are so entrenched in that community, met several people from that area, and they all report the same. Guys my age, like Jimbo Covert, year older than I am, guys who grew up there, and it is is just part of the culture there. And they preach family, and they preach team. And in the midst of that, that family, Harris perhaps lost his way when he defended Paterno. A few years ago, but I only will judge a guy based on how he's he's treated me and how I've seen him treat others. And Franco always was a terrific gentleman. The first time I, I visited with him, he showed up. He was promoting a healthy donut. And as I look today and his background, it was a company he formed with Lydell Mitchell, the slow running back also out of Penn State. These nutritional donuts were going to be distributed into uh school systems that were that were depressed economically where you could get a kid to eat something that was actually something he'd want to eat that was full of nutrients and franco showed up in a broadcast remote we did at uh, dakota's bar and grill in schaumburg what's the name of the joint b dakota's 
And he was just a treat. He was he was a joy to be with. That was in the early to mid nineties. Franco did the show again at the Super Bowl in New Orleans when the Packers played the Patriots. He and Terry Bradshaw sat down for about twenty minutes, and uh, it was hysterical. Uh, Terry Bradshaw talking about transvestites knocking on the hotel room doors at two o'clock in the morning. It was very very funny. And Franco was very, very nice. And uh, the last time I had uh, I had an opportunity to visit with him, I didn't. I passed on it because I have a rule. If I'm in public, I I typically don't go introduce myself to celebrities, even though I had interviewed Franco Harris. And uh, we were on a flight. My wife, Sherry, and I were on a flight to Hawaii. And Franco and his wife, now his widow, Dana, we're also en route to the Pro Bowl. They were in the aisle, across the aisle from us. Franco had the window seat. Dana had the aisle seat. Yes, it was it was in first, okay? Don't hold it against me. I used miles. And after we got altitude, Franco's wife, Dana, gets up to get something out of the overhead bin. And she lifts the, the, the door up and a neck pillow starts to tumble to the floor and she reaches down with her left hand and before it hits the floor she catches it with her left hand and i i couldn't help myself i said in super fan voice immaculate reception number two and she sat down and and told franco what i said and he's smiling and he's looking over at me giving me the thumbs up and uh it made their day, I, I think, or at least it, it made that portion of the flight. Uh, it was just a, a funny moment. Nothing was said. I didn't go visit with Franco. I just uh, I just gave him the wave and was happy to uh, to make one of my childhood heroes laugh. That uh, that was fun for me. So I was I was heavy hearted when I got the news of Franco's passing uh, because he he seemingly was was so revered by so many and so beloved in Pittsburgh. That's going to be quite a scene Saturday night when the Steelers host the Raiders. And it was the Raiders who they beat 50 years ago Friday when Immaculate Reception became a thing in America. One of the, perhaps the most iconic play in the history of the game. it's, It's tough to think of another. Uh, even though it didn't decide a championship, even though the Steelers didn't go on and win the championship that year. That's the first playoff game in the franchise's history they won, and it was Harris's Rookie of the Year when he was voted the Offensive Rookie of the Year. Harris concluded his career with 100 touchdowns. He was a fun player to watch and an easy guy to root for, uh, to root for, and uh even though I hadn't seen him in many, many years. Uh, just a little bit sad this week about the passing of a Super Bowl hero and a hero in Pittsburgh. That's all I got for today. I'm a little stuffy, so I'm going to keep it kind of tight. I will be back Monday with all kinds of Week 16 thoughts. Hope you have yourself a great Christmas weekend. Please be safe. Be smart. The weather is going to suck. We know that. Treat people nice. And uh, you'll find the rewards are so many you can't even count them. Thanking Adam Delavitt, Baby Capone, for giving me these chances at the Bet Rivers Podcast Network and for my producer, 
Sam Michael, he's always taking care of business and babysitting me along the way. Thank you for listening. Have a great weekend. I'll be back Monday with Week 16 Wrap-Up. I'm Danny Mac, and until then, I'm Taillights. Thanks for listening to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider.